Tonight, I would just like to speak to you a couple moments on contrary winds. God allows the enemy to assist him in the process of our refinement. God uses the enemy's plans to accomplish his purpose and bring about his divine plans. Romans 8.28 Hidden deep in the enemy's devastation is a setup for the supernatural and the miraculous. See, God called a census to get two people to Bethlehem. Herod's early legalized abortion would then press them to Egypt. The enemy used to legalize abortions to put Moses into Pharaoh's house. Joseph, the enemy's plans to, was to imprison him, but it put him in charge of Egypt. The enemy's plans and strategies may always be a, a used to accomplish God's plan and purpose. Two areas I want us to think about tonight. Look at these two ideas right with yourselves. About yourself right now in your particular situation and the larger picture of the overall of what God's doing in these last days. I want you to think about these two areas for your life. The blood moons, the, the Shemitah, the, the harbinger, all these things. I would love to preach and stir you up about all these things, about the latest and greatest. But I want you to know tonight, but I want you to be prepared for this in the spirit realm for what the enemy may dish out, but what God's got in store. We are definitely in a time of wheat and tares being separated. Because we are, we are hard at hearing, God will once again again, have to yell His judgment to get our attention. Acts chapter 27, verse 1 and 2. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to the centurion named Julius, who belonged to the imperial regiment. We boarded a ship for Andromitum and about to sail for the ports along the coast of the province of Asia. And we put out to sea. And Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. This is the destination. But God's plan almost always doesn't go a straight line. The, the, cl the closest way between two dots is a straight line. But through God's purpose, it always seems to go a roundabout. There's a bend, there's a curve. And unfortunately, sometimes there's always a fork in the road. Many of us have seen dreams and visions right in these last couple days about storms, tornadoes, and winds. What is it about wind in these last days? There's a storm coming, we've heard this said. Not to destroy, but to sift. Fresh winds are in the adverse winds. Don't fear the adverse wind, but head into it. Many times we will move out upon a feeling because we love the feeling of a gentle wind. We love that gentle breeze. This must be God. <laughs> That's what it must be. Everything is smooth, so it must be God. But let's look at Acts chapter 27, verse 13. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore for Crete. I like the New American Standard Bible because it says it like this. When a moderate south wind came up, oh, that's got to be the Lord. Supposing that they had attained their purpose, they weighed anchor and began sailing along uh, Crete close to inshore. See, these, these seem to be fresh winds, these fresh winds, these soft breezes, this refreshing, this cooling, the gentle blowing of a sailboat on its course. These are the winds that have to be the Lord. See, it's startling, but these became the catalyst for the wrong direction. 
We may, it may feel right, but it may not be God's direction at all. What may look wrong in the natural may be God's handiwork. These words that God had been forecasting, see, there was about to be a violent, destructive storm, unrelenting and, unre- and reoccurring, that would be dished out. A strong wind is coming, but I'm telling you today, don't fear it. My message is to you for these last days. There is a blowing wind coming. There is a fresh wind coming, but it may not look like what we thought it would look like. It may not be that gentle breeze. It may be a stirring. It may look like a tornado. There may be a dust cloud in it, but it's God saying, listen, I'm about to do something in your midst. John 6.16 says, There was a strong wind blowing, and the waters grew rough. See, Jesus wasn't with His disciples. He was up on the mountainside. He was in prayer. But guess what? The disciples were in the boat, and a a strong wind began to blow blow in in that direction. Now, Jesus began to pray. Now, I don't know if He was interceding on their behalf. I don't know exactly what He was doing. But I know this. He was in prayer. Maybe He was standing in the gap because He knew what was about to take place. He knew that the enemy's plan was to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. He was about to tell him, he said, listen, I'm about to do a miracle on your behalf, but there's a rough sea that's in front of you. I don't want you to be surprised about it. I don't want you to be fearful of it because what I'm about to dish out is the miraculous before you. Many times we feel the adversity and the first thing we think is this can't be right. I need to change my course. If God was in this, we wouldn't have this kind of opposition. Sometimes the opposing force is the very thing meant to confirm that we are on the right path. Are you hearing me tonight? I want you to know that breeze that you feel may not be God, but that adversity, that adversity, that adverse wind that's coming, that contrary spirit that is coming against you is God saying, listen, you are on the right course. That that you feel at your face is me, is is God saying, listen, that just lets you know you're in the right direction. See, will natural forces, they were about to oppose what God wanted to do. Was God's plan going to be thwarted for Paul? God told him that he was going to preach in Rome. This is the place where God injects himself into circumstance. See, many times we will, we will see here this. We'll hear, thus saith the Lord. It's not based upon me exerting my will into the situation. It's, it's, and that God has to obey. It is rather God exerting his will into circumstances and then everything obeys. See, listen, you get, you got to have, there's a difference here. A lot of times men will say, thus saith the Lord, and they'll say this is going to happen and this and so, but then it doesn't come about. God's saying, listen, when I speak it, my words will not fall to the ground. That which I speak, it will come to pass. There will not be one jot, one tittle that will not fall away. It will come to pass. That means the solace little, the little, little cursive there, that little, that little comma, it's going to come to pass. That's what he's saying this is where heaven and earth collide this is where this is the supernatural moment it's not based upon me exerting my will that God has to obey but it is rather God exerting his will saying listen here I come 
here I come. See, the connection is to, for us to be so in tune with heaven that when he speaks, we listen. Our job is to get into position for the pass. I said this a long time ago. When a football player, he runs that route, he doesn't know that the ball has already left the quarterback's hand. And when he turns, there's the ball going to be there because he's supposed to be at the right path, place. That's what happens for us. When we get a hold of what God's timing is, we say, God, I know you're saying, listen, be at this place at this time. We go, we get ready, we start planting because we know that rain is coming. He's saying, get yourself into position because I'm about to do something in your midst. Our duty is to hear so we can see we know what his plan is. Thus we can pray his will in each circumstance. See, we see that Paul here in this 27th chapter, Paul could foresee with the illumination of the Holy Spirit what was about to happen. Acts 27.10 Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our lives also. It, see, it wasn't Paul following Paul's plan. It was already in God's hands. This is where the natural becomes super. God steps into the physical and demonstrates himself. In these last days, the enemy will continually bring the adverse wind. I want you to count on it. I want you to expect it. As you feel it at your fate, face, it, is almost, it should almost be a comforting feeling. See, planes don't take off without wind. They always take off in the direction of the wind. The the contrary wind will give you lift. Did you know that? The contrary wind will give you lift. This is a video. That's a 747. Sitting on the tarmac. See, tonight... I want you to know, I want to change how you look at adversity. It may be brought on by the enemy, just like sickness, like, like circumstance, but its favorable outcome is always God. This is the dilemma. We know that God's will for us is health to prosper, yet the enemy comes in to thwart those things, with, to steal, kill, and destroy. But God can take those very things and produce life. As the winds picked up, the, the Bible says that they rounded Crete. As they, were, as they were rounding this island, they used the island as a buffer so that the wind would not, would, would not uh, come against them. And our natural inclination is to try to find a natural barrier to keep us from the wind, that adverse wind that's coming at us. See, our natural inclination is when we feel that wind in our face is to either back up or move away from it. But what we should be doing is actually facing it. See, their inclination was to try to put up a barrier. In Acts chapter 7, 27, verse 14, Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm. It could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. And as we passed by the lee of the small island of Kauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the 
ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid they could not run aground on the, the sandbars of Smith. They were lowered to sea, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. See, I want you to know tonight, we want the udder, the rudder. We want to have the rudder in our hand. We want to be able to control where we're going. We want to declare how it's going to unfold. We want to look spiritual. We want to look like we're in control. But it's all happened by God's God's performance, not ours. This is God. How many times have I said this and then I've missed it? How many times have we done that in our lives? This is God right here. And then all of a sudden it kind of just fizzles away. Ah! God wants me to go this direction. I know it. I feel it. Oh, I missed it. Batten down the hatches. See, they took this ship, and because the storm was beginning to grow around them, they took ropes underneath the ship, and they tied them together because they wanted to hold this ship together. Sometimes, in our lives, that's the only thing we can do, is just tie it up. Hold it together. Hold on desperately because you know what? It seems like I just can't make it another day. It just like, it seems like I can't go another step. I know all of us have been there. All of us, we're in the physical, we are doing the exact same thing. We're lashing our boat together. Batten down the hatches. Gird up yourself. Paul said this because it was already winter. It was after the Day of Atonement, probably around October. No one travels the seas at this time of year. Why were they testing their limits? This was no small ship. This, small, this ship had 276 people on board. It had grain that was being sent to a place where they needed food. Why was it so important? There was a bonus involved in this ship. One commentator says this, he says, the reason why they would travel this time of year, this grain was so important that if, the, if the, the owner of that ship got it there, there would be a bonus for him if he got it to his destination. So they were willing to take a chance. The storm seemed never ending. It started off, it says that it was three days. It began, they began to throw all the ship's uh, tackle and all the, the, uh, everything that they had, all the cargo overboard. It says that after a long time without food, maybe they were seasick, maybe they just couldn't eat, maybe Paul was fasting, I don't know. But in verse 20, it says, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. This is Luke. This is St. Luke writing this. We had given up hope. It was done. Sometimes we've gotten to the point of our de in our desperation that even desperation is gone. See, Luke here admits that all hope was lost. We will at this point just die. At this point, can you imagine the thought that this? Here's Paul, the man of God, who in, in chapter 19, just a couple chapters before this, took handkerchiefs 
and aprons. If they got him close to him or touched his body, they would go put him near somebody and people would be instantaneously healed. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea when about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. Now, seven days is perfection. Double that. I want you to just imagine just for a moment what these men were going through. These guys were getting beat and ravaged by the ocean. This ship was being tossed to the point of desperation. There was, there was nothing going to be left of this. Their, their lives were, were going to hang in the balance. It's 476 miles from where they last left land to where they would, we would end on Malta. 476 miles of being tossed to and fro by the ocean. Couldn't God have put him in another ship? Couldn't God have given you a different job? Couldn't God have given you different kids or different spouse, different life? They knew that land was approaching. They were no longer in control of the ship. They threw out the anchors just to slow their progress so they wouldn't just crash into the island. And imagine this. What's the likelihood that you would even find land? <laughs> the wind was going to blow them exactly where they needed to be. Today it's called St. Paul's Bay. It's due east of where they started. And yet they ended up exactly where God wanted them. Paul gives them two things to instruct them. He says this, Stay with the ship. I cannot guarantee your safety unless you stay in the boat. You get outside the ark, and I can't help you. I don't know what will happen to you. And just in case you think you're going to get away, you guys with those lifeboats, cut them off. So nobody gets in them. God has declared the only way we'll be saved is if we stay on this boat. I want you to know tonight, we stay together. We unite our hearts. I've said it before how we link up. You want favor of God? You want to be safe when the, when the enemy is coming at you? Stay with the man of God. You find a man of God and you stay with him. I'm telling you guys something tonight. Listen. 276 people lived because of Paul that night. They were saved because of Paul, the man of God. God was not done with him. You link yourself up. You find a man of God. I don't mean a guy that says he's a man of God. I mean a man of God. You see it. You know it in his life. You link up with him. You run from everything else. If he does not find himself in a place of prayer like Paul did, fasting and praying for you, you know what? You are, you're, you're of no use because I'll tell you what, the enemy is going to ravage you. The life's 
life storms are going to destroy you. You find a man of God who will pray, intercede, fast, and die with you if he has to. See, I want you to understand something tonight. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25, Paul says this. He says, I've been shipwrecked three times. I've been laid out to sea a day and a half. This wasn't including this shipwreck. He hadn't even gotten here yet when he told, said that in Corinthians. Paul's work was not finished. Paul said to the centurion, he says, He back up here. He says, cut those ropes. He goes, I don't want anybody trying to get out of here. Don't get on that lifeboat. What looks natural is getting in the lifeboat. What looks supernatural is staying with God. Sometimes staying with God and doing what God wants you to do will not look right in the physical. It will look stupid. See, the exact opposite happened with Titanic. They didn't get in the lifeboats. They trusted in a ship. God says, trust in me. The next thing He says is this. He says, take some nourishment. You're going to need sustenance. God's in it. Nothing else. His Word, time with Him, prayer closet. Nothing will take the place of time with God and His Word. I was just talking to Scott today. The two things he says that, that's going down, down there in Mexico. He says, Greg, I'm still preaching the exact same word that you're saying. It's, it's 100% spirit and it's 100% the Word. It's not more of one, it's not more of the other. It's not a Holy Ghost goosebumps and have fun and let's just all get drunk in the Spirit. It's not just, all I'm going to do is devour the Word and I'm not going to listen to the Holy Spirit. It's 100% of both. God, what is it that you're saying to me? I don't want a roadmap. I want a tour guide. I want somebody who will lead me through the Word of God. Just before dawn, Paul urged them to eat for the last 14 days. He said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. Now remember, 276 people. I'll guarantee you there's probably 50% of them that can't even swim. Acts 27.35, and he said this. He took some bread and he gave thanks to God in front of all of them. And then he broke it and he began to eat. Does that sound familiar? Mm. Sounds like he understood that it really wasn't about food. He understood that his sustenance was going to be in God. Paul understood who his real powerhouse was. Who his real sustenance was. At this, they threw the anchors, all of them. And they faced the wind. See, the problem with the ship is, you can't go to the side of the wind. When the wind's blowing this direction, it'll actually topple you over. You've got to go head on into it. They threw the anchors, and they were able to face the wind. I want you to know tonight, God is saying, listen, face the wind. When you feel that adversity, that contrary wind blowing at your face, know this that I've got victory coming. Amen. 
I've got revival coming. You just stay the course with me. The Bible says that before daybreak, they cut the anchors. They let go of the rudder. That means going deeper with God. You let go of everything you have that's going to control you and say, God, I'm yours. Here I am. Here we go. How this turns out, I don't know. But God, I'm in it with you. The ship broke apart. It says the men were hanging on to pieces of the ship to get themselves to shore. But not a one of them. Swimmers or no swimmers, they all lived. This is what it looks like today. They got to shore. It was fall. It was October. It was getting cold. So they decided to make a fire. The islanders helped them make a fire. The devil is going to watch everything you do, especially if you're a man or woman of God. Are you kidding me? So they make the fire. Paul puts his hand near the wood and a snake jumps out and bites him. After everything he just went through, Paul says, listen, devil, (laughs) you just tried to take me out. This little snake shakes it off in the fire. The islanders look at him as though, my goodness, (laughs) you're going to die. You must be... They actually said he must be a murderer because... Only a man who survived all of that would come down and die at the, at, the, at, a, at the hands of a viper. But when he didn't die, then they said, look at him, he must be a god. See, I want you to know tonight, it may not look lovely. You may not look right even. You may look downcast. But see, I want you to know this. You may not have anything in your locker. Your wallet might be be empty. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you know what? You know this, that you have linked up yourself with God. And no matter what happens, no matter what the storm brings, you are going to be faithful. He is faithful to you. This is where you can say, God has it. Okay? I've said that before. Remember we preached a message many uh, along about a year ago, and I said, you know what? God's not in control. But I'm going to tell you this. When you have relinquished everything to Him, when He is your center, when everything revolves around God, that's when you can truly say, God's got it. Because you know what? Then in the midst of no matter what happens around you, you can say like Paul, it doesn't matter what the enemy tries to throw at me. Devil, do your best shot because you know what? I know you're going to throw everything but the kitchen sink. But you know what? I know that I'm a child of God. I have been born again. I am sanctified, set apart. I belong to Him. Nothing can harm me, the Bible says. And they got to shore. And then in the midst of all this, Publius, the chief official of that little island, he's calling out. I want you just to picture this just for a moment. Paul's on his way to Rome. That's where he's set to go. He boards the ship in Caesarea to go to Rome. He's got guards around him. He gets to bring two friends, Aristarchus and Luke. They're documenting the the ordeal. As he boards the ship, a man is crying out because his father is sick and ready to die. There's a man crying out in a little island 
saying, God, have mercy on me. I need your help. God says, okay, devil, <laughs> go ahead, do your, do your magic. Because guess what? It's all going to be right when it's all done. Publius, the Bible says, Paul goes to his father, he prays over him, he lays hands on him, and he's instantly healed. And then the people of the island begin to hear about it. They bring all that are sick. And Paul prays and heals those of that island. See, what I want you to understand is sometimes the thing that we think looks right, the direction that we know that we're supposed to go, yeah, I'm going to get there. Because Paul did make it to Rome. The angel showed him that, said, you will make it to Rome. But it was a roundabout way. That adverse wind, that contrary wind, don't be afraid of it. As it blows at your face, go, hmm. Just like that 747, guess what? When we take off, we take off towards the wind because that's where the lift is. You can take off a lot faster in a 100 mile an hour wind than you can in a wind at your tail. See, we're in a brand new day. The enemy will try to overwhelm us with what isn't happening or what's, what's going down the tubes. But look up. A movement is about to break out. An opportunity to touch hurting people with the gospel of the kingdom will present itself. Run to devastated areas. Run to the sound of chaos. That's the, that's the, the, uh, the motto of the U.S. Army. Run to the sound of chaos. See, there are setups for the, fresh, for the freshness of the Holy Spirit to break out. They are setups for a latter house that will be greater than the former house. Kingdoms are clashing. Conflict is increasing. This will cause many to be deceived, lose hope, and give up, and even check out. But here it is. This is the message in Acts chapter 27 and, ver and chapter 28. Don't give up. Hang on. Believe God. Pray through. He hasn't set you up to be destroyed. He is setting you up to, to be a deliverer, a deliverer of healing and salvation through what God wants to do. See, Paul did not let his adverse circumstances move his internal compass or his course. He, let, he kept looking for the Holy Spirit to break through and to break out. He kept going in faith. In adverse winds, there are fresh winds of the Holy Spirit blowing. Sail on. There is a planned Holy Spirit move within the storm. I want you to know tonight what looks desperate. Go ahead and click, turn those lights off. What looks desperate for you tonight, maybe God just setting you up for a miracle. What the enemy is trying to use to destroy you, God says, listen, all it's going to do is bring my glory. Amen. Tonight, normally I have you stand, but tonight I'm going to have you just sit during this first song. I just want you to, you can look at the words, let the Holy Spirit just work in you.
Let's all stand.
we know the word declares that there will be a contrary wind there will be a contrary spirit from here on out but God you're raising us up to be more like you God let us stand in the midst of storm as Paul did Lord let us stand in the midst of of trial tribulation no matter what happens no matter what is thrown our direction God, I pray that we would stand firm in You. God, that we would truly know You. God, men and women of God, Lord, that we would begin to rise up. God, let us be firm in our foundation with You. And God, as that wind blows at our face, Even this week as we go through life, God, as we feel that contrary spirit, that contrary wind coming towards us, God, let us know. God, let us even know then, Lord, You're just about to give us wings. You're saying, Lord, it's about time that we take off. God, we were created to fly. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, God. We praise You, Lord. Amen. Amen.